This is Seattle Sports Diaries Podcast. Now, here is your host, Mike, and the rest of the SSD gang. This is Seattle Sports Series. I am your host, and got a good show for you today. We actually have Jackson Bevins from Cigar Thoughts coming on here in a little bit to talk about our Seattle Seahawks. Our Seahawks are 1 0. And not to mention, we beat Russell Wilson. Think about that. Geno Smith beat Russell freaking Wilson. That is awesome. That is seriously so awesome to, to even think about and to even uh, honestly just say that Russell Wilson was beaten by Chico Smith. One of the best, one of the best things to ever say um, coming out of this. Uh, coming out of this first week because there's a fruit fly here. Let it, hold on a second, damn it, it moved. I don't know, I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna look at it. But anyway, yeah, so uh, here in a couple minutes, we will have Jackson on and we will go ahead and go over the uh, week one victory over the Denver Broncos. We'll also get into the uh, preview for this week's matchup against these uh, the San Francisco 49ers. And we have a saying here in the Seahawks universe. There's two teams that I cheer for. It's the Seahawks and whoever plays the 49ers. But let's go ahead and welcome uh, my uh, our guest in here today, uh, host of Cigar Thoughts, Jackson Bevins. Jackson, what's going on, my man? Hey, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. It's the second time we've had Jackson on here. Uh, Jackson was supposed to be on the 100th, but he was in a bad area in Arizona. Oh, my God. That kills me. It, it, yeah, it lined up with, uh, <laughs> with a trip to Arizona, and I could not link up, man. It kills me to this day that I missed it. That show, that show looked amazing. It really was. Um, I want to say, I, I'm going to be truthfully honest, my favorite part of that entire podcast was the was definitely with me Kate Hart uh JT Brown and John Forslund I I mean there there were so many good uh parts about it but that those two parts were amazing and also I think it's time to introduce our uh our uh, new host here uh DJ what's going on my man uh, unmute yourself there Yo, go. what's going on? How's what's it going? going on, DJ? Uh, welcome to Seattle Sports Diaries, man. So, uh, real glad that you're a part of this because uh, me and DJ here after Jackson and, and after where you get done talking with Jackson, uh, we're going to talk some Mariners, of course. That fruit fly is getting on it. There we go. Oh, damn. I thought I smashed it. Little bastard. 
I, I hate fruit flies. I, th those are the most annoying things in the world. But uh, Jackson, uh, dude, we can say this now. Geno Smith beat Russell freaking Wilson. It's the great. I think it's one of the greatest. And we posted a tweet that night. We could go one and fifteen for the rest of the season. That was our Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. That was that was it. That was. You know, the game that I cared most about on the schedule and to see them deliver the, the, the way they did uh, was was pretty remarkable. I mean, I think objectively, like if you didn't know the storylines or, or anything like that, you know, there, there's nothing like super compelling about the Seahawks in that win other than they were good enough to beat a good team. And, and there's value in that. But you know, I think it is how they're going to play most of the season. They only ran 49 plays on offense. That was the fewest of any team in the NFL this week. Um, they <laughs> needed two fumbles on the one-yard line and a missed field goal. You know, it was it was an amazing game, and they were so good in the first half. So good right off the bat. Geno completing 17 of his first 18 passes was incredible. Um and, you know, I don't I don't know if that's going to be something that can continue forever. We, we've seen Geno play a good half of football in every single one of his starts with the Seahawks. Um, it's going to be really curious to see if he can put together an entire game. But that win does a lot of things uh, for this team. You know, with it being the first game after Russell Wilson, I mean, forget about it being against Russell Wilson. The first game after Russell Wilson to win that game it's so important when you are doing a rebuild or a retool or whatever you want to call this because winning matters and losing leaves scars. You need to show these guys that you can win games without Russell Wilson because he's not coming back. So I think that's mm -hmm. big. And then also, also, you got the Broncos first and second round picks next year. And most <laughs> of the teams in the NFL are going to finish within a few games of each other. So every loss moves you up a few spots. So, yeah, just a great night overall. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree completely. And, uh, you know, uh, a big loss, though, in this game, of course, uh, Jamal Adams is done for the year, unfortunately, a really unfortunate injury. Um, everyone here at Seattle Sports Stars, we wish him nothing but the best for a good, healthy surgery and a really good speedy recovery because, I mean, that is, that's just a huge loss. Yeah. And, I think it's, and I think it's kind of pathetic because people are saying, oh, he, he, he's a waste of money. He's this, he's that, he's this. But look, do I get frustrated? Do I get frustrated with Jamal Adams getting hurt? Yes, I do. But there's nothing that we can do about these unfortunate injuries. That, injuries are going to happen. But Jamal, people don't know that Jamal Adams is a baller. Jamal Adams is a player. Um, yeah. He's still got what uh, another year or two left on his contract. You know, he's still got a lot to prove. I think he's going to come back even stronger next year. This was just very unfortunate. But, you know, getting back to the Seahawks team, I mean, th this is something that I think everybody had in their minds once that game was over. You're, you're, you're paying a quarterback 245, let, and let me say this right now, again, this is uncensored, 245 fucking million dollars. And you choose with the game on the line to go for a 64-yard field goal? In biggest bone that is, that's just bonehead, and I love what Russell Wilson he says. You know, he's like, "Oh, I, I I'm with a team that you know that we're going to compete for a Super Bowl." Uh, I love that I'm I'm with a team that's going to make let me make the decisions. Well, in this situation, 
uh, they took the ball away from your hands. And I think that was hilarious, but also it was ironic because if that would have been reversed, if things would have been reversed, let's say the Seahawks are still with Russell Wilson. If Pete Carroll is right there, Pete Carroll's going to Russell Wilson and saying, hey, the ball's in your hand. You get us the first down so we can go win this game. And I think, and to me, I think that was a kind of a slap in the face to Russell Wilson with the Broncos team, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, I will say this, this was uh, Nathaniel Hackett's first game as an NFL head coach. And I, I think we tend to, I mean, I agree with everything that you're saying. It was, it was the wrong move, no matter how you look at it is the wrong move from, a statistical standpoint in terms of win probability, it was the wrong move for the vibes. It was the wrong move for the relationship with your new quarter billion dollar quarterback. Um, and he said as much the next day. But the thing that I, I try to keep in mind with this is I, I don't think any of us, myself included, can truly appreciate how chaotic being an NFL head coach is. And this is Nathaniel Hackett's first game. You know, it's it we we struggle a lot of times with, you know, a good offensive coordinator, good defensive coordinator gets uh, promoted to head coach or, or gets hired somewhere else to be the head coach and they struggle. And then we say, Oh, you know, maybe they weren't that good after all. In reality, it's like just because someone's an excellent salesman or an excellent accountant doesn't mean they're going to be an excellent CEO. And as the head coach, you are the CEO of, essentially the equivalent of a fortune 500 company, you know, these things, are, these companies are worth billions of dollars, these teams and to call an NFL game and to be in charge of as many moving parts as NFL head coaches are, is incredible. The amount of stimulus coming in. And this was his first game in the most emotionally charged environment on the road you could ever ask for, for a season opener. So uh, it was definitely stacked against Hackett in this one. He, he folded, he, he didn't seem like he had a clear idea of what they were going to do if they were in that position because they let almost 40 seconds run off the clock before they called the timeout. And you're right. It was just, it was hectic. And, you know, he admitted the next day it was the wrong call, which I admire. I don't think it says anything about whether Nathaniel Hackett is going to be a good NFL head coach or a bad NFL head coach. Um, I think it is a reminder of just how insanely difficult that job is and, and making those calls in those moments. It's why a lot of coaches um, are starting to do this. And, and John Harbaugh is probably my favorite coach in the NFL. Uh, he does this. He's got a timeout guy, a fourth down guy, and a challenge guy. And that's their job so that he doesn't have to think about it. If they're in fourth down, he's got a guy that says, hey, the odds say go for it or not. And then Harbaugh decides whether he's going to agree with that or not. Sometimes it does still come down to gut. He's got a guy who tells him when to call timeouts and when to challenge stuff. Um, you know, and, and it's just, it's hard to do that on top of everything else. But I'm glad it's the decision that he made because I do think Russell Wilson was ready to write his own ending to that game. Yeah. Um, DJ, dude, you've been silent for, uh, I don't know how long. So I need, I need your takes on this game because I mean, you were, you were watching this game, man. And of course you stayed up later than any of us to watch this game. Cause you're over on the East coast, brother. Yep. No, uh, I was saying the same thing to, you know, people back home and whatnot. If we won one game, this is the one we needed to win. I could care less about the, the rest of the games, but at the same time, we got the 49ers this week. And I actually think we can win this one. 
<laughs> Part of me thinks we can win this one with how Trey Lance played last week. Uh, Kenneth Walker is coming in. Hopefully uh, we can see uh, how he does and what he's all about. But I actually feel like we got chances this week. I think and so. all yeah. everyone, everyone that was talking about the booze in Seattle, I, I still, I still don't get why people are confused. I, either they were hibernating over the summer <laughs> in the last two years, or what. And I understand, like, you know, what he did for us this past, the past decade and what, and brought us to championship. We went to two, but the way everything went down, and and what Carol said the other day, like it meant. It didn't just mean as much to him. It meant it, it was for the players that uh, played with Russell uh, Lynch that was there and Sherman and uh, oh, who else was, was there? Oh, KJ Wright and um, all of that. It meant more to them um, because, you know, they felt that it was Russ felt like it was all about him and, the only reason that they got to where they were at uh, was him and not the team, not the Legion of Boom. So I was glad to see it. And yeah. I, I enjoyed the booze. I think I was I, booing in my house too. I, I agree 100%. For, and also for everybody, as you can see the banner right there down below, uh, we actually, I've always got to say this, but uh, be sure to subscribe to BS Commentaries on YouTube and follow the uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google. And uh, we just released our third uh, straight our, uh, Red versus Blue episode. We're going to be doing that for the next 12 weeks. Yeah, 12 weeks. Uh, that's always fun with K-Hard. Uh, uh, Jason, have you actually tuned into that podcast yet? Uh, I uh, have uh, Jackson. Sorry, Jackson. I, I have. Uh, oh, wow. It, <laughs> good podcast. Uh, I mean, uh, the, I, both me and K-Hart, we do it. It's a movie reaction and commentary podcast. A great podcast that we do together. But uh, – uh, to get back on the booze real quickly, I like what you just said, DJ. You're absolutely correct. Um, guys like RG3 who were saying, oh, it, all these experts who were saying, you know, Seattle fans should be ashamed of each other. No, we shouldn't be ashamed because, you know, do these experts forget that Russell Wilson lied dead to our faces and to Pete Carroll? I want to stay in Seattle. I want to be a Seahawk for life. I mean, he straight up lied to it. And, I, and I'm going to say this right now. When Bobby Wagner comes back to Lumen Field, he is not going to get one single friggin' boo. He will be cheered beyond belief because there's a big difference between Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. Russell Wilson, and I will always stand by this, Russell Wilson is a Hollywood pretty boy. Um, I will never, ever, ever call him loyal because he was never what Bobby Wagner was. Bobby Wagner was all about the city of Seattle. He was about trying to bring more championships to the city of Seattle. He was about the city of Seattle. He had loyalty to the city of Seattle. And that's why I think Bobby Wagner is more beloved than Russell Wilson is right now, but getting a little off topic, but getting onto this game right now, I mean, let's, let's talk about, like Jackson said, Geno Smith absolutely was a great, great, uh, quarterback in this one, uh, you know, 20, 23 for 28, uh, 195 yards, two touchdowns, one of which was to uh, Uncle Will. First touchdown of the season, or yeah, first touchdown of the season goes to Uncle Will. And, you know, and of course, Colby Parkinson, I was so happy that he got into this. Mm -hmm. But 
the the two names that were not called a lot all that all that often that night was DK Metcalf and and Tyler Lockett both uh, combined for ten catches and uh, for sixty uh, for sixty four yards, which is uh, kind of funny because you know last year the, we didn't really see the Seahawks tight end uh, guys get uh, get involved a lot, but in this game they were they were quite involved. I love that uh, Geno Smith was able to get those guys involved. And another thing, uh, Rashad Penny uh, had a really good game, 12 carries for 60 yards. I mean, that's 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 five yards a carry. So I'm not going to complain one bit about that. And, uh, Jackson, I'd love to get your take on the offensive guys of the impact that those guys made in that game. Yeah, you know, um, a lot of the action went through the tight ends and the running backs. Uh, Will Disley and Colby Parkinson each had 43 yards, which tied for the lead on the team. Um I think that had more to do with how Denver played defense than it did with how Seattle wants to run their offense. Um, when you look at Seattle's offense from a defensive perspective, there's two very obvious guys that you want to take away, and that's um, Lockett and Metcalf. And that's an extremely talented secondary. I mean, multiple all pros in that secondary. Um, Patrick Sertan basically followed DK Metcalf all over the field. Uh, he's all pro Justin Simmons safety is all pro and uh, he was shading over the top of Tyler Lockett all night. So, you know, they, the thing to keep in mind is they only passed 28 times. So that's really going to limit the amount of actual volume stats that you're going to see. But DK Metcalf did get seven targets. Uh, it was 25% target share, which is great. If you have 25% target share for a whole season, that's pretty darn close to elite numbers. And he caught all seven of them. Um, the thing is they just, they, they never got deep. They, they weren't going to give up anything downfield. The defense kept everything in front of them. Um, you know, and he did lose the fumble as well. Uh, you know, I was surprised Lockett didn't get uh, more activity in that game. But also in, you know, I, when I watch the replays after each one, um, I try to see what happens in the play and then also see what happens away from the play. And they were just shading a safety over the top of Lockett all day. So, uh I'm not too worried about them not being involved. And it's not like the touchdowns to Disley and Parkinson were drawn up for those guys. You know, they got the ball because they were left wide the fuck open because DK Metcalf and Tyler were being double teamed. So um, I actually do think those two receivers had a pretty outsized impact on the game overall, just because they, they freed up so much for Geno Smith and some of the other guys. Yeah, um, real quickly, uh, Geno Smith MVP watches on. <laughs> I swear, if he gets an MVP MVP vote, I am buying a Geno Smith jersey, and I am wearing it. <laughs> well, I will say this. Look, right now I've got a couple Seahawks jerseys in the closet. Two of them are Russell Wilson jerseys. I'm never going to give those up because um, to, to, to all the experts who do talk talk so, so much shit to the Seahawks fans, look, it's not that we – don't respect Russell Wilson in the fact that, you know, of what he did with the city of Seattle. It's, it's how we left. That's exactly why fans boo. And we have that right as fans to boo. Now, am I going to boo him the rest of the season? Absolutely not. I wish Russell Wilson the best of luck in Denver. I, I, you know, but I will say this, you know, if he plays in the Super Bowl against Bobby Wagner, you know, you better fucking believe I'm going to go for Bobby. I'm cheering for Bobby all the way. I want Bobby to get that ring, but no, Russell Wilson, I, you know, I, uh, I had almost a Twitter argument with someone, uh, I think it was yesterday, yeah, and it was a guy who was very hard on for Earl Thomas, 
and he was he was criticizing the Seahawks because they're inducting Alexander Sean Alexander to the Ring of Honor instead of Earl Thomas. And I'm just like, okay, you're really going to complain about that? I don't think so because I think Russell Wilson gets into the Ring of Honor before Earl Thomas just because I feel like Earl Thomas might have burned bridges with the Seahawks. That's just my take. I mean, but. No, I mean, and also another thing, Jackson, that I loved about this game was two guys in the linebacker uh, core who I was so happy about. Uh, first of all, Jordan Brooks, he's an absolute monster. Of course, he's, he was under the tutelage of Bobby Wagner. But the guy who I was uh, just had one of the biggest hard-ons just because he was one of the guys who sacked Russell Wilson, Cody freaking Barton. I'm so happy for that guy. Uh, he was able to get one of, what was it, uh, two sacks in this game against Russell Wilson. And it was it was so awesome to see those guys actually be able to, to, to play like that, especially Cody Barton, because I feel like uh, Barton has earned the right to actually get onto the field with how he plays. Yeah, uh, I was thrilled with how Barton played in that game. He was probably the guy, of all the starters, he was probably the guy I was most nervous about. Um, just because he hasn't looked very good in the past. Uh, he's looked a little a little slow to get to his spots or, or out of position. He has a tough time getting off of blocks. Uh, that was not the case on Monday. He played really instinctive, and I think that's the most important thing. Uh, I mean, it, it's one of the most important things for any position is to play instinctively, but I think especially on defense. Uh-oh. Oh, man, he's frozen. <laughs> He's frozen in the wrong way possible. That's not good. <laughs> it's high as a kite. Yep, there we go. We got him back. Hey, okay, okay. Sorry about that. What did, uh, did you guys miss any of that? <laughs> uh, we oh, did. No. We, yeah, you were basically high as a kite the way the way it froze on your face like that. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, yeah, so what I, what I was saying is the thing that I appreciated most is it looked like Cody Barton was playing uh, instinctively. And when you play instinctively, it means you can play fast. Um he wasn't second guessing his assignments, you know, the, the big play to force the, um, you know, basically force the long field goal was you mentioned the sack. That was a great play where he saw an opening. He took it, uh, chased down Wilson, but the play that I appreciated the most was him sniffing out the screen pass to Javante Williams. Cause at that point it would have been a 60 yard field goal. And if Barton doesn't make that play, uh, Williams had blockers in front of him, And I don't think there's, much doubt that he's getting at least 10 yards there um, and making that a very, very makeable field goal for someone like Brandon McManus. You know, we're probably talking in the low 50 yard range, high 40 yard range. And he sniffed it out, got behind a blocker and blew up Javante Williams, who statistically was the hardest uh, running back in the NFL to tackle on a per attempt basis last year. So uh, just a tremendous game from him. And if he's even 90% of that the rest of the year, I think the Seahawks have found their other starting linebacker. Yeah. Uh, uh, one more thing before we get into the review with the, or, to, or the preview for this upcoming game against the 49ers. Two more guys I want to highlight. Um, one is, of course, uh, Michael Big Dick Dixon, of course. Uh, when was the last time that Seahawks fans said that we only saw Michael Dixon punt the ball not even three times in a game. When was the last time we ever said that? It's been a long time. Uh, two punts, yeah. of course, 101 yards. But one guy on special teams that I want to just like salivate over is DJ Dallas. Three returns for 77 yards. 
and had a big time Cam Chancellor hit on a kickoff return. I mean, those two guys are a big, big role for the Seahawks team. I'm so glad that DJ's actually found a good role with this Seahawks team and that special teams core. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people have questioned why DJ Dallas gets as much run as he has. And, you know, he has not been a very explosive running back, but uh, he does a lot of things well that coaches really value. One is he's excellent at, at uh, pass protection um, and he's a very, very good receiver. But he can also play special teams, as you just mentioned, you know, and he he did a nice job on kick returns. He did a great job on kick and punt coverage. And remember, you you can only dress 53 guys and only 46 of them are technically active. So, you know, when you're choosing who your third running back is going to be or who your fifth wide receiver is going to be or if you're going to carry three tight ends or four or whatever, a lot of it is do I trust this guy on special teams? Because you got to throw 11 guys out there for kickoffs. Uh, kick returns, punts, and punt returns, and and field goals, and all that stuff. You need guys who can play those positions, and and DJ Dallas has really shown that, um, you know, he's got the type of versatility. He's he's never going to be a home run hitter as a running back. Uh, you know, his career yards per carry is pretty low, but he'll get what's blocked. Uh, he can protect the quarterback. He can provide a safe outlet in the passing game. Um, he's he's not going to tank you if you know you have to go to him out of injury. Yeah, definitely. All righty, so uh, of course, let's go ahead and get into this preview with this Seahawks 49ers game. Uh, as I'm looking right now, Seahawks are currently nine point underdogs, so the, the Niners are favored by nine in that one. Uh, over under in this game, of course, is four is 40 and a half, which you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and take the underdogs on this. I'm taking the Seahawks on this one, I, but I'm gonna say this one might be a little bit under that 40 and a half. That might that's that, that's just my take. But uh, DJ, you ha you had some really good points about this, so I'm going to let you go ahead and start this one. So, uh, previewing this Seahawks 49er game, I mean, what what does it look like to you, man? Well, if we so weather's going to be bad right now, and where um, the 49ers play, it's not Santa Clara, right? That's their old stadium at Levi Stadium. Uh, so we got that going for us. Uh, Trey Lance did not play well in Chicago last week. Uh, as of right now, it looks like Kittle's not going to be playing, so they're going to be out Kittle. Um, I think we can go in there as long as we – I think we're going to run the ball more, definitely, with Kenneth Walker in there and DJ – or uh, not DJ Dallas, and uh, Rashad Penny. Um, I, I definitely think we got a chance, and I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, I'm hoping we can force some turnovers, but – I feel pretty good about it. I don't know. Uh, Jackson, your thoughts on this uh, Seahawks-Niners game, man? Yeah, I think Seattle definitely covers. Uh, I, I know it opened at 10, and it got it got bet down pretty, pretty aggressively right off the bat. Um, you know, but I, I think it also speaks to the public's perception of the Seahawks. You know, a lot of – people thought they could be the worst team in the NFL this year. And, and while I never thought that, you know, I do see them as in that kind of six to seven win range. And I, I see the 49ers as, as true Super Bowl contenders. So uh, I think the Niners probably win this game. I don't think there's. A Oops. And then it happened again. <laughs> Hang on. We'll, we'll, we'll wait on this one. <laughs> 
always it's always a possibility. There's always technical difficulties. All right, there, right, 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 right. Go ahead. Uh, continue what you were saying about. I'm moving to a different <laughs> part of the house. Um, you know, I I think the 49ers are a much better football team than the Seahawks. I I think you can go position by position, and you would just choose the guys on the 49ers side over the guys on the Seahawks side at almost all of them. And that's really hard to, to overcome. I do think that was the case with the Broncos, though, also. So it's in, and it was the case with the Niners and the Bears. You know, the Niners are better at almost every position than the Chicago Bears, too. And they lost that game. That game was played in absolute monsoon. Um, every single Bears scoring drive came because of multiple. Each one had multiple drive extending penalties on either third or fourth down by the 49ers. Uh, typically, that's not something you see with the Shanahan team. That's going to get cleared up. Even if the weather's bad, it's not going to be as bad as it was in Chicago, which is probably the worst uh, rain I've ever seen for a football game. So I'm, I'm not reading into San Francisco's struggles that much uh, from last week. And also, you know, you've got the potential of a letdown game for the Seahawks. Uh, it's just something that happens for a lot of teams. You get an emotional win. It's tough to get back up to that level. Seattle has one less day to uh, get ready for this game than the 49ers do, having played on Monday. Uh, they're not going to have Jamal Adams. That does matter. There's a lot stacked against the Seahawks in this game. And uh, while I would not be shocked to see Seattle win, because um, I'm pretty sure they're going to keep it close. I think it's going to be low scoring. Uh, Mike, I like your call about keeping it under 40 points. I do think that's going to be the case. But, which, by the way, is a very low over-under for NFL games, but I still think it's going to stay under that. Uh, I think that both teams are going to try and shorten the game, try and run about 50 plays total, which is a really low number. Um, and that's going to keep the variance high. So, you know, one big play one way or another, one big mistake could swing it. And I think it's going to be Pete Carroll's goal is to keep the game close enough for one big play to win it. Um, whether they'll be able to do that or not, who knows, but he has had uh, Kyle Shanahan's number ever since he came to San Francisco. So yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I, I would give, I'd give the Niners maybe like a, you know, a, a line of about 10 points indicates, uh, you know, an 80% chance of winning almost. I would say it's probably closer to 60 for the 49ers, but you know, if I had a, meaningful amount of money on the game and it was straight up like who do you think's going to win i'm i'm putting on the niners without hesitating too much yeah you know what uh, to both your guys's points you know this is absolutely a game that the seahawks could possibly win with again with trey lance you know, performing as bad as he did last week but again you know we need to, we do need to see it from jackson's point of view that that, that weather was the worst I've, I've never seen a game that has rained that much um you know, that Soldier Field was not a field. It was more like a slip and slide. I mean, it, it was the worst that I've ever seen any game. But, yeah, I mean, no, I think I got to give the edge to, to the 49ers in this game. I hate to say it. That's the, that, that is actually the worst taste in my mouth to ever say that, <laughs> giving the edge to the 49ers in this one. Um, before we get Jackson out of here, though, uh, of course, uh, with all of our NFL stuff, and of course, uh, we always, you know, we may be betters or we may just be guys who uh, love to just uh, make predictions, but we get we go ahead and give our predictions in this game. So with the with this score line at, at you know, an over or under a 40, 40 and a half, I'm going to go ahead and take the under on this one. I do think it is going to be a low scoring game. I don't think that this is going to be uh, a game that uh, people really pay attention to because it's going it, to, it, again, it's going to be close. It's going to be a very close game. 
with the uh, with the Niners favored by nine, I'm going to go ahead and take that. I'm going to go ahead and take that one. Um, I think the Niners do win this game by at least 10. And, you know, if I had to make a prediction of the scoreline, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say that this game is going to be a 17 to 7 win for the 49ers. Uh, I bet that's that's my best guess. Uh, Jackson, uh, your prediction, betting line, and of course, what your score prediction of this game is going to be. Yeah, so uh, I did I did bet Seattle to cover. I, I got in when they were at 10. I actually uh, bet the line up to 10 and a half um, just in case because 10, 10 is a common uh, margin of victory, so I want to be on the plus side of that. Gave up a little bit of money to do it. Um, so I do think they cover that. I've got it uh, 20 to 16 San Francisco, but um, you know, I to DJ's point. Dang. <laughs> that was the worst time that it could have ever froze. He was just about to say your point. I know. <laughs> All, right. All right. So as I was saying, as you were saying to DJ's point, um, there is a path to victory for the Seahawks because um, upsets are easier in lower scoring games. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's something where Pete Carroll's really, really good at shortening the game. And it could very well come down to forcing Trey Lance to go win a game. And we don't know if he can do that yet. So uh, like I said, I will not be shocked if the Seahawks win this game. Um, but I do think, you know, my money is behind the 49ers winning and uh, winning by four points in 2016. Okay. Uh, DJ, so your, your score prediction and uh, you taking the over under and are you taking that scoring line right now? I'm taking the under and okay. I am at, I think the Seahawks, they're actually, I think they're going to win. So I'm not taking the points. I think they're going to win 2017. I love I think it. We're going to force, I, I think we're going to force a big turnover. Um, yeah. All righty, man. I would, be, uh, I would be into that. I hope, I hope DJ's right. <laughs> I hope so Let's too. Go. Well, uh, well uh, Jackson, uh, first of all, thanks so much for uh, coming back on the podcast, man. Second time that you've been on here, man. I, Always appreciate you coming on here, man. And, dude, first of all, I got you a nice, tasty cigar for tomorrow, man. I got you a really good, tasty one. Fun and uh, uh, I look for, I look forward to coming out to the golf course tomorrow, man, with you. Yeah, I was just there today. I didn't play, but I scoped it out. Course is looking great. We're going to have a good time tomorrow. Definitely, man. Uh, so I will uh, see you tomorrow morning, man. And uh, thanks so much for uh, joining us here on Seattle Sports Diaries, brother. You bet. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good night. You too, man. Have a good one. And there you go, Jackson Bevins, host of Cigar Thoughts on uh, Field Goals, of course. And uh, so, DJ, there's something that I think you and I need to be talking about right now. This is something that um, I think everybody in Seattle, every Seattle sports fan, or good Seattle sports fan for that matter, needs to be paying attention. As of tonight, there are 20 games left. Seattle Mariners magic number is 15 and here's and here's here's the kicker this is the kicker um, I want to go ahead and bring this up because this is I think the best part of this of, for the rest of the season the Mariners have a total of 10 games left on the road 
They play the rest at home. So we are looking at a possible playoff clincher at home. It's been 21 years, and the Mariners are looking at a possible home clincher. And I don't know when that's going to be. I'm, I don't think it's going to be on my date that I said. I said September 29th that we probably could clinch. But I don't think it's going to be at that point. I think we might need to be a couple games. We, If we're high enough in the standings, in the wild card standings, we got to be high enough to actually clinch that. But it might be the 3rd of October that we clinch. And DJ, I mean, but DJ, I mean, like, the, the strength of this, of this <laughs> schedule that the Mariners have, four against the Angels, which I expect a three-game series win, if not a sweep. Three games against the Oakland A's. You can take two games. Three games against the Royals. I can see a sweep. I mean, the Mariners control their destiny as it, at, at, the, at this point. No, yeah, I totally agree. So, right now, Baltimore's winning 2-1. to one. If they good. lose tonight, if they lose tonight, it'll go down to 14 as long as we win. Okay. They, I believe they have a four game, three or four game series against Toronto. And then, and they have a lot tougher schedule than we have. All they the do. teams we play are all under 500. We've been playing better on the road than we have been at home. So hopefully that helps us out. I, I was actually looking when I, I was lifting uh, to Dave, uh, Dick Fain and Dave Softy Mahler. They said the tw- they were saying the 25th and 26th. I don't think it's gonna be that soon. I don't think um, so. Either. I don't think it's gonna be that quick. Um, I real quick, I was shooting for Wednesday, September 28th. Is what I was looking at. And if if, if and that and the bad part is that I work that day, and <laughs> I have to do a podcast that day. But I'm I'm being honest. If we have a chance to clinch. I'm oh, you got to be at home. I'm, I'm just skipping it, and I'm going to that game because, you know, I'm 32 years old, dude. Yeah. 32 years old. I've seen – I have been – I have actually been through the entire drought, and it's and it's been miserable. It's been a miserable drought. It's been the worst. And good news that if, the, if, if Toronto loses tonight – and the Mariners can win tonight. The Mariners have control of that first wild card spot. So that's even good. You know, my guess is, you know, Baltimore, Toronto, and Tampa Bay are all going to be playing each other here in the next 20 games. Yep. So the Mariners, if they want to clinch, they need to, if they want to clinch a playoff card for at home, then I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule right now for this road trip. And I'm saying, you win the series in Anaheim. You can, you can afford one loss. You can afford one loss. You sweep the series in Oakland or take two out of three. But the big series, but the series that you do need to sweep, you need to sweep the Angels or, or you need to sweep the Royals. You, I, I think the Mariners could probably sweep the Angels and the Royals. And if everything goes according to plan. Then the Mariners could probably, I could probably be right, and on uh, and on September 29th, the Mariners could probably clinch the playoffs 
And, and, and that is just an incredible thing to even think about. If they don't clinch that day, they will clinch probably in the Oakland series. Yeah. And it's incredible to think about because the final four games for the Mariners are against Detroit, which I completely expect them to take the series or sweep it. And I mean, you know, last year, last year on this <laughs> podcast, dude, no, I mean, this is, yeah. this is so emotional to talk about last year on this sure. podcast. We had no, we were not this sure that the Mariners could get into the playoffs. The Mariners have never been as close as they are than they are right now. And they have room. They have 20 freaking games. And the sky is just the limit with this team. And I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. I don't think any team in baseball going into the playoffs, whether the Mariners are the number one seed in the wild card, it doesn't matter. No team wants to play us. No team. Oh, I agree. I and agree. that Still. even includes that even includes the fucking Houston Astros. They don't even want to play us. I can't stand them. I so selfishly, I want us to uh, get the fifth seed. Uh, so we play Cleveland, so I can go to a game. <laughs> so I can go to a playoff game. <laughs> In uh, in you know, Cleveland, I, you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault you. I'm not gonna fault you for thinking selfishly like that. There is no, there's nothing wrong with it because, you know, I think it's hilarious because, the the, the Mariners could see the Cleveland Guardians in in the playoffs. You know, in if we go to Cleveland, I'm fine with it. I'm perfectly fine with it. But, you know, there's just so much playoff history with the Cleveland Indians slash Guardians yeah. with the Mariners because, of course, 1995. Who did yep. we play for the chance to go to the World Series? We played the Cleveland Indians. We lost mm-hmm. in six games. And then in 2001, who almost kicked the 116-win team out of the playoffs? The Cleveland, Cleveland Indians. Indians. I mean, the two teams that we have the most history with in the playoffs are the Indians and the Yankees. Because, let's see, we played the Yankees in the division series. Played the Indians in the, in the, in the championship series in 95. 1997, we were booted out in four, we were booted out in four games by the Orioles. In 2000, we played the White Sox, swept them. We played the New York Yankees, lost in the championship series. We were able to take them to six games. And then, of course, in 2001, Indians, Yankees. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's just we're getting one of those teams. <laughs> we're getting one of those teams. We will. But you know, Stop. if if I'm going to think selfishly on this one, I'm going to go. I'm going to go ahead and just think very selfishly on this because I think with this pitching staff and this newly revised Mariners team if we get the number one seed we get all three games at home I think we win that series and we go on to the American League Division Series to play the number one seeded Houston Astros and I'm I'm dead fucking serious man we take them out in four. I think that the Mariners with this team right now, with the pitching staff that they have, they could take out the they could they could take out the Astros 
And then if we get to the championship series, it don't matter who we face. It will not matter. We, I, I, I think this marriage team is the biggest dark horse to ever get to the World Series. I think I think we can do it. it once we once we're in, once we sell so wild card, it's wild card series. It's going to be Castillo, Ray, and either Kirby or Gilbert pitching the third game. And we don't know right now. Both of them have been pitching well. I think they'll probably go Kirby. That's my honest opinion. I think they'll go I think Kirby. So. I think so. But, I mean, either one would be fine as long as it's not Marco. <laughs> I don't, I don't think, in the I don't wild think Mar- series. I don't think Marco is going to is gonna uh, pitch in that series. Uh, by the way, my dad's watching this podcast again, and if he and he's complaining about the background music, ignore the background music. That's just us. We we don't like to be silent here. We need some music to keep it up, and that's the only good one that was there. Oh, by the way, just a quick, well. just a quick up score update. Um, George Springer uh, just hit a three-run oh. bomb. Four the, and two. Uh, the Blue Jays are up now, uh, four to two, onto the Orioles. But you know, DJ. <sighs> Looking at looking at the Mariners right now, I think we're going to be pl- I think we're going to be playing against Otani in this one. Yeah, we're going to be playing Otani tomorrow, and George Kirby's going to be going against Shohei Otani. Now, I fully expect the Mariners to probably get maybe one or two runs off Otani. I don't expect the Mariners to really get a lot of runs off Otani because I mean, look, look, let's face it, you know Shohei Otani, he is a he's an MVP. Uh, candidate right now you know and the the thing about it is is that you know we we could talk about Shohei Otani but we're not going to because I'm not we're not we're not Fox we're not ESPN for God's sakes but <laughs> if I want to give an MVP I don't want to give it to a guy who's doing what Otani's doing I want to give it to a guy who has let me let me pull this up because this is the most insane stat that I've ever seen in my life. I've yeah. never seen this before in my life. So the guy that I want to give the MVP to. Well, that was loud. <laughs> um, so the guy that I want to give an MVP to is the guy who has a WRC plus of 205 in Aaron Judge. Seriously, a WRC plus of 205? Who still has the chance of getting the Triple Crown, too. He does. He has a chance. You know, if if he does get the Triple Crown, just give give him the MVP. Because I think... Let me look this up. I don't think Miguel... I think Miguel Cabrera got it in... The year that he won the triple crown. So I'm oh, looking at two of. So let me see. I'm looking at Miguel Cabrera right now. So uh, triple crown winner in 2012. So yes, he did win the AL MVP in in that. So uh, I don't know. I mean, Judge has a really good chance to win the MVP if he hits 60 plus home runs. Uh, right now, they said he's on pace to hit 64 home runs with 19 games left, and you know, look, right now, you know, when we were kids, the, the home run race was all about steroid pumping guys. 
Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge has never, ever, ever tested positive for VHD or any steroids. And it's, you know what, it's, it's definitely, and my dad is absolutely right on this one. He, he just posted, he just posted this. So Yaz was the last guy before Miguel Cabrera to uh, win the Triple Crown. Yes, uh, Carl Yastrzemski, uh, Boston Red Sox won the MVP. I think he also, and I, and he did win the MVP that year. He did win the MVP that year. And I think that was also the year that the Boston Red Sox did into that curse as well. But no, I mean, just, I mean, what is your take on this whole Judge Otani MVP race? Because it's, it's such a really interesting race right now. It is. And I, I think you got to give it to Judge. The, he, especially, I mean, when they went through a long uh, losing streak and they won a couple games here and there. It, he literally got the RBIs and he scored the runs <laughs> that won those games. <laughs> and it was only him. And the fact that it's not like he's DHing every day either. He's playing, he, he's covered, he's played center field and right field. Like, I think you got to give it to Aaron Judge. I mean, it's amazing what Otani's doing with pitching and hitting. But, I mean, he actually, like, he's batting in like the two what 260s now i want to say maybe a little mm-hmm. higher um and they're and they're under 500 yeah gonna... but i mean can put it this way i mean look what look what mike trout's done he's he's won the mvp three freaking times and he's won the mvp three yeah. times and he's been on a horrible angels teams and but i think after this year though otani's gone Otani is, is is out of Los Angeles, or maybe just taking a trip down to the other Los Angeles and going to, and going to go play for the Dodgers because uh, he's meeting you know, up with Ichiro in Seattle. Uh, you never. I mean, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because another thing that I wanted to talk to you about was the free agent market, of course, for the Mariners. Of course, we're almost done with this segment, and it's so funny that you mentioned it because. You know, the other day with J.P. Crawford making a couple of errors and almost costing the Mariners a game, really. You know, the, the the thought that I have is J.P.'s future with the Mariners might actually be very bleak right now. Um, don't get me wrong. I love J.P. Crawford. I love the man to death because he's such he, – he has been a leader for this football club. But – with the free agent market that we're going to look up, I think this year, I think we have Aaron Judge coming coming into the free agent market. We have Trey Turner, we have Xander Gabogars, we have uh, Dansby Swanson. We have really good a really good shortstop category in the free agent market, and I think that the Mariners would. Uh, I said this a couple of weeks ago with around the Diamond guys. I think the Mariners. Would, I think it would do the Mariners good to actually shop for thir- for shortstops, and. Out of all three of those guys, I want Trey Turner in Mariner's Teal. I want Trey Turner in Mariner's Teal. And because I don't think I don't think Adam Frazier is going to be with this team next year. I, I just don't I don't see it. But I feel like maybe JP Crawford could make those defensive little little adjustments and actually go over to second base. And don't get me wrong, I believe that JP Crawford is still going to be on this team next year. That is I never said that he wasn't going to be, but what I am saying is that the Mariners have an option out there in 
three guys who are the are just amazing hitting and defensive shortstops. And you know, I for, I completely forgot about Dancy Swanson because I, I was just focusing on Bogarts and in and, and Trey Turner. But uh, and then of course with Mitch Hanniger not getting extended, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think Judge might actually end up in Boston. I, that, I have a weird, weird feeling that Judge might actually end up in Boston. That is just, <laughs> it's just, it's just a weird, weird fucking uh, thing to say about it. And, but no, I think the Mariners next year will have the money to actually go shop around for guys like Trey Turner, guys like Aaron Judge, and definitely bolster, bolster, the, bolster this offense. No, I actually think that the shortstop pool is better than it was last year. I was never a fan of Tro- uh, Trevor Story. Uh, he's not a good overall at, uh, hitter for average. Um, obviously, Carlos Correa went over to the Twins. But I take any of those guys. And after this year, you know, Jerry Depoto or Cervais, they, may, they need, may need to talk to Crawford about move, possibly moving to the second base. And I absolutely love that guy. He's the lifeblood of the Mariners. Uh, but as of late, over the past few weeks, he's really struggled. I mean, even on like simple ground balls, and and one of them might cost us a couple runs. Um, another one, luckily, I think we got the double play. But I'd be excited for any one of those those guys. Yeah. Um, so I just I just pulled up J.P. Crawford's uh, baseball reference page up because I wanted to go over this because this is what I find so interesting about J.P. Crawford is the splits that he has had since April and March. In, in, in the April-March uh, season, you know, 21 games, he hit 360. He was hitting 360. And since then, month... And since... Since May, the only month where he was absolutely on it was uh, July. July was the only other month that he hit above 260 in any month. And he hit 247 in May, 202 in June, 218 in August, and in the, in, currently in September and October, he's hitting 200. I mean, you know, it, it was just like last year. You know, he got off to a bad start, but all of a sudden he started pulling it together and he was able to hit, you know, what was it, 260? It was, it, yeah, it was 260. It was, I think it was 263. And it's so weird to watch JP struggle like this because I don't want to see him struggle like this. And they say that it was, that it's all about hard contact. And if we want to talk about hard contact, one guy that is absolutely the master of hard contact with, with the Mariners, besides Adam Frazier, is Julio Rodriguez. Because what, Okay, that incredible walk-off against the Atlanta Braves was one of the coolest things ever because if it wasn't for Eric Swanson giving up that uh, giving up that home run, he would still have the lowest ERA in baseball right now. Unfortunately, the Astros' closer has the lowest right now at 114. Um, so, but uh, Swanson's at 118, so he can still get that Hopefully he can still get that uh, that title. I want him to get that title. But I mean, what the Mariners were able to do in that Brave series, and I want to talk about this just for a couple more minutes, and I want your take on it because 
that showed resiliency from this team. It showed that they are, they're not going to back down from anybody, whether it's the reigning champs or whether it's a last place team. And they showed so much grit in that series. Did you see Julio smiling when he was running in? I did see that. Damn, I, I was sitting here. I felt like, dude, my, my heart like dropped when we get, when uh, we gave up the, uh, when Seawall gave up the final home run. I was like, oh my goodness. I was so mad. And when he was smiling, running in, I was like, man, he's, and he feels like he's coming up. And I think I tweeted, I said, he about to, I was hoping uh, we'd get a base run on before he came up to bat. We didn't, so it wasn't a walk-off. But I texted my buddy, and, um, and I was like, he's going to hit one out, I'm telling you. And then he did, and I was like, oh, goodness. And then Suarez, well, France popped up, and <laughs> then Suarez. But you're right, it showed that, you no, know, even in – yeah, I got teary-eyed when I read the thing what he was saying to Seawald in the dugout. Like, you've saved us 25 times. It's time for us to have your back or whatever. Um, there's, they're not going to just give up. They got, they got fighting. They believe that they can come out and and do something and win the ball game. Even, even after taking a huge gut punch like that, six to two going in the ninth and at <laughs> seven six, and you're like, what the heck? And they came through. It was awesome to see. It really was. It was absolutely impressive to see. And uh, look who we have. And look who's and look who's sporting the uh, the J Rod shirt. I I love this shirt. They look so good. Really? You actually yeah. like the All Star? Yeah, shirt? I, I I like the way the gold kind of pops. I can get. I mean, I was that. a little. I was slightly against it, but I actually do did like those ones a little bit. But. Uh, uh, DJ, man, uh, your first ever podcast, man. How'd you like it so far? Oh, I loved it. I appreciate you having me on, Mike. I definitely, and I think we need to do this next week when we talk about uh, you. And I and I will say this: if you are absolutely right on this guest with the 49ers, you need you're, you're a permanent member on this on this podcast for good. For All good. right. So 2017 um, Seahawks. Yeah. What was it? <laughs> 2017 Seahawks. 2017 Seahawks. All right. Uh, DJ, I will talk to you next week, brother. All right. Thank you. All right. Talk to you, man. There you go. DJ Webb, uh, our new, the newest member of Seattle Sports Diaries. And as we go, we got Roman right here. And Roman, it was so good to finally meet up with you last Saturday, man. It was so good to finally see you on the sidelines. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. The only problem that I had with this guy was he had to wear the Boston Red Sox hat. I'm always wearing a Red Sox hat. Like that's literally all I do. <laughs> like if I if I I'm either wearing a Red Sox hat or I'm not wearing a hat. That's just kind of how it goes with me. Well, I mean, I, I you said it was a good luck hat, right? Uh, not really. Uh, I have one that I I like to wear. Like sometimes that one is just that was my favorite because I got that like opening day 2019. As you saw, it's got like the World Series on the sides with a little mm-hmm. gold outline too. It's just an awesome hat. Definitely, man. Well, I got good news for you, man. Uh, as of yesterday, I officially am going to Pullman. Yeah. This November, I'll see you there, brother. Uh, well, I hope I'll be there. Well, what do you mean hope? Uh, you don't know yet? Uh, I'm, I'll be hosting family that weekend. My, my parents are coming to town for Thanksgiving, so mm. we'll see if I'll be able to make it out there. Well, I will say this, man. I got two tickets. I got an extra one right now, so I'm going to see if anyone wants to buy that off of me. But uh, 
I got a, uh, so this is where I'll be sitting, man. And I, and tell me if you know where this is at. I've actually never been to Pullman. Okay. So then you don't know, <laughs> but, um, I will be sitting right behind the UW bench. Nice. I will be sitting right behind the UW bench. So it's going to be so much fun. Um, so I spent it, I, you know, I, I did spend a little bit of money on it, but it was definitely worth it. But definitely the, the ticket that I get, you know, I'm going to just sell it for half the price or whatever. And, but I uh, definitely hope that someone can buy it off. But I think we need to talk about this, man. Um, what a dominating win this was against Portland State. 52 to 6. And I was very close on my guess that they would score, that they would be over 60, man. You're real close. I I, I want to say that I'm also particularly pissed off that, you know, I, got, I nailed the 200 yard receivers. I nailed that. And I, I was saying it up in the press box to my guy, Evan Feather, who's sitting next to me. I said, watch, like I, we were, were watching the stats cast that we got going on the computer. And I was like, oh, wait till Papa's got 94 yards. And Evan just leans over to me and he goes, we're going to take him out. <laughs> yeah, they did. And you were absolutely right. There were three different running backs with 50 plus yards. So I'll take that as 100 plus yards. I, I will take that. Okay. So we had Wayne Tulapapa, 12 carries, 94 yards. We had Cameron Davis, 10 carries, 70 yards. And Richard Newton, 10 carries, 59 yards. So the running back game definitely was there. But how about this? Jalen McMillan, four catches, 127 yards. And Giles Jackson, six catches, 105 yards. But... Uh, Jalen Polk, three catches, 47 yards. And Michael Penix Jr., 20 for 27, 337 yards, two touchdowns. And unfortunately, an interception. I was not expecting that. Yeah, it was just, you know, throws a little bit high, kind of went off. I believe it was Jalen Polk's hands. Just, you know, it happens, unlucky throws, just bounce back. And Mike was excellent from that point on. So I've got, yeah, definitely no concerns there. But yeah, these, these things happen. Uh, I will say, though, you were talking about getting tickets to the Apple Cup, and you have not bought a ticket for tomorrow's game. I saw twenty. No, 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 no. no. I saw twenty-nine dollar tickets. There are okay. very cheap tickets for tomorrow's game. All right, hold on, hold on. Let me let me go ahead and look this up real quick. I'm gonna, I'm looking it up right now. Look at look at look at the old Game Time app, Vivid Seats. I've I've seen twenty-nine dollar tickets. Highly recommend anybody and... who is out there who has not bought a ticket. They need to get their tickets bought now. Get to the game tomorrow because the dogs are hosting number 11, Michigan State. It's a purple out, so wear purple. Get there, and it it's going to be the primetime game. It's on ABC, and it's time for the Pacific Northwest. It's time for Seattle to let the country know that Husky football is back, and they can do that tomorrow. And Definitely. Husky fans need to show up. They need to so- be there for this one. So I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be up in Bellingham for uh, about between three and four hours because oh. I'm in, because I'm going to be golfing up there. And here's the thing. There is going to be a lot, and I'm willing to guess, a lot of traffic coming back to Seattle. And so I have to say no on this one. I, 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 know, I know it hurts. I know it hurts. But... I, if I wasn't golfing, if I was not golfing tomorrow, I'd do it. I, I, I would honestly I do it. But again, you know, just make sure you're tuned in. 
Dude, you, you better fucking believe I'm going to be tuned in. I'm going to be, like, it, whether, whether I get, I have no idea what time I'm getting home tomorrow. I have no clue. But what it doesn't matter what time I get home. I will have that Husky game on the radio. I will be listening to it. Good. And, uh, you know, when I get home, even when the Mariners game is going, I'm going to have my laptop right there. I'm going to be watching it. And speaking Good. of which, I actually, I need to make sure here in a few months I get a new laptop. I need a new laptop because... Uh, this HP is just not working out for me. I need to need to do like one of those like little Klarna whatever payments is you pay monthly. Oh yeah, every, yeah, yeah. Every couple weeks, the most helpful thing ever in, in on the internet ever is that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't really see any anything wrong with this game with uh, with, Actually, it, with the Portland no, State UW game. There's one thing well, that really needs to get cleaned up, and that's on the defensive side. Uh, well, it didn't really show in the stat sheet because uh, uh, his his name is escaping me, and I, I apologize for that. The Portland State quarterback, well, he only ended up throwing for Dante, 50 yards. Dante Cheshire. Yeah. Uh, while he only ended up throwing for 50 yards through the air, there were a couple of plays where UW's uh, somewhat inexperienced defensive backs did get beat deep. Uh, there was a crucial holding play uh, call on Mish Powell on fourth down that put him down in the red zone, and then a pass interference call against him on the very next play that yeah. can't happen against a team like Michigan state. Um, but no, it's just, it's something that like uh, that, that can be cleaned up. And it's something that we're, as I said last week, you're going to see a little bit more of that in this scheme where it's aggressive. They like to attack. There's a lot more just kind of, you know, leaving corners out on an Island, which is, is hard for any, any corner to, cover for four to five seconds that's very very hard but yeah it's, it's I mean, something no, that's gonna it really happen is. it really is a uh, quick score update for all mariner fans out there wondering we are keeping our eyes on these games uh, unfortunately toronto now has scored five runs in the last two innings so now it is six to two toronto over the orioles not a fan of either team but i i i, I <laughs> no I, I, I take that back i kind of like this young orioles team they're fun to watch and the only thing that I have a problem with the Oreos is get your own fucking slogan. Do not take chaos baseball away from Seattle. That's our stuff. Come on. I got but a buddy I, who works in their social, so I I, really? I, I I support them. Yes. So so if you have a buddy that's out there, so I need I need to ask you, um, how the hell did they come up with that? I actually don't know the answer to that. Did did your buddy used to work out here in Seattle? No. Okay, I thought I because there was someone that I knew that actually used to work out here in Seattle and he went over to the Orioles. So I was kind of hoping it was him. But uh, Roman, I think you and I need to also make a pack real quick. We need to make this. Okay. Pack. So both me and DJ were talking. So the Mariners have 20 games left, and the Mariners can possibly clinch the playoff card, the playoffs, either near right near the end of September or here at the beginning of October. Okay. So here's the pack that you and I are going to make because we, I, th I think we, we need to go out there and watch it. So the game that the Mariners are going to clinch, we attend. I will do my best for that. There is, um, so that, that time period is going to be very tough as specifically October 1st is not just my birthday, but my girlfriend and I actually share the same birthday. Well, yeah. at least you don't, well, here's you know here's you, you want to know the positive thing about that? Let's hear it. You will never forget her birthday, and you will never get. <laughs> now the Very only thing, true. the only 
The only thing that would make it funnier is if y'all got married and your wedding anniversary was on your birthdays. That, you know, that, that would kind of be a smart way to go about it, you know, just kind of combine everything. <laughs> yeah, so there, actually, you, you go like this, you'd be like, like, morning, babe, happy birthday. Hey, babe, happy birthday. Oh, hey, babe, by the way, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to you too. Exactly. You get it. Just just make it like, even if it's like within the same week, you're like, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's all right there. It's all on the schedule. It Super really easy. Is. <laughs> but, uh, I think, uh, let's go. So another thing that I, I, I want to go ahead and point this out though, because I wanted to bring this up because, um, uh, again, uh, just this past week was my first ever Huskies game ever football wise. And look there. I just got an update. Oh, dumb update on my phone, on my watch. It doesn't matter. But anyway, um, but one thing that I did love was I was right there by the, the student section. Um, and of course, th- th- there wasn't really a lot of students there, but I got this uh, talk with the entire, almost the entire Husky baseball team. Oh, that's awesome. Really cool. I thought it was so cool because I got to have a conversation with these guys and the, the fans out there are some of the best out there in college. I want to say that. They, oh, they absolutely some of the, are. There's some of the best out there. And there's people who are saying, oh, but but it was a bad turnout. You know, the students didn't come out. Well, students here's, aren't there. here's the reason why it wasn't a turnout as, as you expected. It was 90 degrees. School hadn't started. Classes hadn't started. I mean, and, and also, it's Portland State. I see... None of those three are excuses to me. The okay. one that is an excuse was the air quality. Yes, the air quality was bad. It was a very smoky day. And I thought it was hilarious because I was uh, right there on the side, like right there on the sideline seats where we met up. And there was a breeze coming in. And all of a sudden I started feeling like a really warm breeze, like a very hot breeze. Because it wasn't really a humid day. It wasn't no. humid at all. And then I'm like, why the hell am I getting a hot breeze? And I'm just like, ah, right there on the turf. The heat is blowing in my oh, face. The, the heat coming off the turf is brutal. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it, it looked absolutely insane. But That's um, the only thing I prefer about night games. Yeah, I was I was sweating real bad by the end of that one. So, and this is, a, this is another conversation I wanted to have with you is, is just these night games that are coming up. Because, you know, I don't like, I really wish that the Pac-12 would do something about this. Because... I'm looking at games. So we have Stanford, of course, at 7.30 at night. Those are terrible. I mean, is it just me or did... The, I don't understand why the Pac-12 does this. I don't understand why they do it at 7.30. If it was 6.30 at night, I can understand it. It's, but with 7.30, it's just ridiculous. It's a lot about overlap with what's going on and, like, the primetime games and what's still going on. It, like, having lived on the East Coast for four years, I like, I know what what the plan is because you'll see, especially, like, the, the primetime game, the slot that UW has this weekend, the 4.30 slot, that hmm. game is usually wrapped up by 7.30, so they want to make sure that they can play the game in its entirety over mm-hmm. over networks and it's just a lot about just time slots with games that are going on in earlier slots so 7.30 is usually why that decision is made. I hate 7.30 start times. They should just totally be done away with in the first place. No, I, I absolutely agree with you on that one. 
but it's it really just it comes down to just like network slotting and things like that which is it's tough and larry scott the previous commissioner of the pac-12 put the con the conference as a whole in such a bind where it just makes it really really difficult Hmm. all right so before we get uh before uh uh, our good friend Mark comes on here and we start talking uh, Sounders. Uh, let's go ahead and get into this preview, of course, of course. Uh, number yeah. 11, Michigan State against uh, non-ranked Washington State. Hasn't Washington. even received a vote, which is a little ridiculous, but... Yeah, I mean, but uh, right now I'm looking right now on uh, DraftKings. I always I always go to DraftKings just to look at the, at the spread line. Right now, the Huskies are three and a half point favorites. So really, it's a push. It really is. And you know what? I think they can do it. I, 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 I totally believe in this team's talent and ability to do it. And, and this, this is the reason why I believe it, is because um, I've seen the product on the field. I may have only seen it for one half, because after the, after the end of the first half, everybody was taken off, which I, I love. But... No, the, 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 the Huskies have a mobile quarterback. They have a versatile quarterback. They have a quarterback who's got a great arm in Michael Penix Jr. And, you know, I don't think Michigan State, like, let me let me look at Michigan State real quick because I'm, I'm just curious because I haven't really looked over that at their games as of this point. So Michigan State has had Western Michigan and Akron. And Akron. Yeah. So, so they're basically like us. They've never, they haven't played once. They have not played an offense like UW yet. No, they have not, not. They have not come against the defense like UW yet. So they are finally going to come in here and get a challenge. And I think Softy said, I want to say this is correct. And actually, you know what? I want to look this up because I want to be. 100% sure because I don't want to look like an ass but and, and you can you can appreciate that like not looking like an ass of course <laughs> I try my best to not do that on a daily basis <laughs> so if I'm looking at this right now I'm going down his timeline so the last time that the Huskies beat a ranked opponent Okay, here it is. The last time that UW has beaten, or UW hasn't beaten a ranked opponent non-conference team in the regular season since a home game against Michigan in 2001. Huh? That's Power 5, because uh, they've, they've beaten ranked opponents at home, like BYU 2019. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, it's so, a non-conference Power 5. Okay, so non-conference Power 5. So... Uh, their streak of losing that many game of uh, that many games against ranked P5 teams, same as the Mariners, playoff drought. And you know what? Both droughts fucking end now. They end now. I and I, I have the utmost confidence in this Husky team because I've never seen a Husky team like this in a long time. It's been I want to say. The two thousand the, the the Peach Bowl against Alabama team was team? Yeah, the two thousand sixteen team. That was the last team that I saw that was this good. I really like this team and I I think that they have that potential. They have their this team is so talented. 
Uh, By the way, real quickly, I don't mean to interrupt you, but my dad's comment, um, he was mentioning your Red Sox hat. Go Sox. I don't, I don't have it in the room. I got, I got three of them sitting out. I have the, the World (laughs) Series one. I have the Little League Classic from 2019 one. The, or, oh, that was a great one. Yeah, the red with like the, the, with the light blue B. I have that one. And then I have the, uh, I, I want to wear it on game days more, but it looks so much like a UCLA hat that I would get so much crap for it. It's okay, the, think, uh, the City Connect hat, the, the uh, blue and yellow. I love that one's probably my favorite. That one looks the best. All right. I think you will appreciate this. So I didn't mean to interrupt your rant about the Huskies right now, but <laughs> so I finally bought uh, my first Red Sox hat for my collection just a little while ago. So there you go. Classic B. But Golf I think clap. you but Golf I think clap, round I think you're gonna be uh, really loving the patch on this one. That's a great patch. That's awesome. The patch that ended the uh, that ended the, the curse of the roof. I, I went to Fenway for the first time in two thousand and five. Great just just all around great time in, in Red Sox history. I definitely, that's definitely a ballpark that I'm going to hit up here. I want to say, um, I want to say, so I'm taking a trip to Ireland in 2024. So I think that year, maybe if uh, the Red Sox, the Maris play the Red Sox later in the year, I think I'll go to Fenway Park. If not, I'll go in 2026, 2025. There you go. I, I so plan on hopefully going back for the first time in four years next year. And uh, Alrighty, so I've interrupted you enough. Suite. I've interrupted you enough. Your take on this game and your take on why they are going to beat them. Yes. Uh, one of the so one of the big things that we need to focus on first and foremost mm-hmm. is the trench play, specifically Washington's offensive line versus Michigan State's defensive line. Michigan State's defensive line currently leads the nation in sacks. They also currently have the nation leader in sacks. Let me pull up his name real fast because I, I'm obviously so learned about all this. These these things uh, just slipped my mind. Uh, Jalen Winman, Winman is is his name. There you go. 19, uh, as your dad says, 1964 is first time Fenway. That is awesome. I love that. Mine, 2005, Jonathan Papelbon's rookie debut, trade deadline day. Great day to be there. Um, that, was, that was a great day. Uh Jalen Winman leads the nation with five and a half sacks at outside linebacker. Yikes. He's really a good player. He lines up over left tackle a lot. I don't think we're going to be seeing left tackle Jackson Kirkland in there tomorrow. That's not a bad thing. Troy Fautanu okay. started the first two games at left tackle. He has been excellent. Troy Fautanu had amazing high school film against the top pass rusher in the nation that year in Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith, obviously a five-star recruit, Georgia, looks awesome. Troy Fautanu is a legitimate NFL prospect at left tackle. I yeah. think he's going to be... I'm not going to say great because I don't like putting lofty expectations out there because then I'm always wrong. <laughs> I think he's going to be more than serviceable tomorrow. Roger Rosengarten right. at right tackle has my favorite high school film that I've ever watched because it is the, it is the meanest, nastiest thing and to, to quote a friend of mine, I just want to give him a hug and just say, who hurt you? I'm really <laughs> sorry that somebody hurt you because it is just so just vile what he does to opponents in high school. Wow. He looks awesome at right tackle. I have full faith in them. Nate Kalepo has looked awesome at left guard. 
The interior of the line has held up really well. Michael Penix has not taken a sack so far. He's barely been hit. I don't even know if there's been a registered pressure through the first two games. So that's going to be thing number one. If the Huskies can control the line of scrimmage, on obviously on both sides of the ball, but specifically on the offensive side of the ball, there's there really aren't going to... There, there's excuse me let, me, let me rephrase that. There's hardly a situation where they lose that game. I love it. All righty. So, uh, look, I know you don't like doing this, but I'm going to force your hand in this. The only reason I'm forcing your hand is because this really is a big game. Or actually, you know what? Never mind. I'm not going to force your hand because this is a big game. Exactly. Well, I was going to say, you're, you're, no. you're doing exactly everything you shouldn't be doing right now. Okay, so, you, but I'm going to keep you going with the same thing that you've been doing. So I would love your bold prediction on this game. But me personally, I'm taking the Huskies at three and a half. Because I think this might be. I don't think this game is going to go. Because I want, real quickly, I wanted to make sure. I need to look at the betting line. So the over-under for this game. The over-under for this game, as of right now, is 56 and a half. I'm going to take. I'm taking the under. Okay. I'm going to go Huskies 28-24. I will take the three and a half. I'm All taking right. the under on that one. I Oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Okay, real quickly, just because I saw his face. Mark, you, you, did you like that take? I can't, we can't hear you, Mark. Um... Sure. Oh, there you go. <laughs> okay, can you hear me? Sorry. Okay, yeah, you you were you were buffering really badly. <laughs> uh. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why. Um, I think you I think you caught me in a yawn because we're talking oh. football instead of football. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> hang on. So let us let's wrap this up, and then of course I, I, we'll get on to this. <laughs> So anyway, so I'm gonna get. So again, I'm gonna take the Huskies at the uh, three and a half. I'm gonna say 28-24 Huskies, and by the end of this game, they will be in the top 25. Roman, I, I can agree with the top 25 part. I'm going to slam the over because whoa. I don't. I don't necessarily think that Michigan State's defense looked all that good in their two games. They just okay. played subpar opponents. There are other factors that lead me to believe that three and a half, um, I, and I, I, I can't say them because I can't confirm these things. Um, my, my dog is coughing. You okay, bub? Oh. <laughs> He's right here. Um, yeah, he, did, he hasn't made his cameo in this one. In this there, one. Is. there he is. His handsome little bandana. <laughs> uh, my bold prediction is that the Husky offensive line is going to hold Michigan State's uh, vaunted and feared defensive line to one or fewer sacks tomorrow. They might get their first one, but it's not going to be that. And then they might have some hurries. They might have some pressures. That's fine. I don't think that they're going to get more than two sacks on Michael Penix. I love it, man. All righty. Well, Roman, I'm going to talk to you next Friday, and hopefully we are... We are praising the top 25 3-0 Huskies next Friday, brother. See you then. Later, man.
And Mark, you're drinking a potion of happiness today. Yes, and, I am. And, and let me and let me say this: you're not just drinking a shot of happiness. You're taking double the happiness. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a double, maybe even a triple. The last couple games have just been exactly what the doctor ordered. I mean, it's exactly. It's and been really cool. It it has been. This has been absolutely incredible for the Sounders because, I mean, the the these past two games have been just wow. I mean, I. A 3 nothing win against Austin FC. I was not expecting a 3 to nothing win. And then a 2-1 to win over the Houston Dynamo. Perhaps another gutsy win by this team. And not only that, but I'm looking right now. And the Sounders are four points behind in the standings. With, let's see, we got one, two, three, four, four games left. Yeah, wow. so there's a lot to talk about here, Mike. I mean, seriously, a lot. Um, and you know what? I'm going to leave it up to you to discuss this. All right. Then. Well, let's let's go back first to the Dynamo game because we like we have to talk about the near eruption of Mount Rainier. You know, another instance where something registered on the Richter scale out of Lumen Field in Seattle when who finally scores in MLS Open Play. And what's after, more, that was after. not a cheap goal. That was a beautiful goal. The day after New Who scores, Mount Rainier vents. <laughs> did I almost, did I almost call the apocalypse? Why, why, or that's it is. It's like, yeah, it, it was. It was. It was a beautiful goal. It wasn't just something where you know, like, it wasn't a cheap tap in. It wasn't anything like that. He worked. He turned a dude. He put it, slotted it home accurately. It was a legitimate, excellent goal. It wasn't going to win goal of the week or anything like that. It's not that kind of play, but it was a real goal. And it ends up being something that truly matters for the Sounders playoff hopes. You know, the Dynamo game, anytime you go on the road um, in any major professional sport, you feel good if you walk away with a win, right? MLS, that's that's even more true because uh, soccer – in in any league, when you go on the road, it's harder to win. Just is. It's, it's true in in American football, just like it's true in in uh, soccer and European uh, football, as they would call it. Um, you know, like that's that's the challenge when you have you know Liverpool and Man U, and they you know they they end up going to home and home because that's what makes the Premier League great. Is you play everybody at your place and you play everybody at their place, and. The, the team that wins the most on the road is the team that wins the championship. It's that simple. Because you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna hold serve at home most of the time. Well, we go down to Houston, we do well, and then three nothing against Austin. Austin is the number two team in the West. It's an excellent team. Um, I fear for what's going to happen to them the next couple weeks if Sebastian Drusi uh, continues to miss games like he did against the Sounders, and that does help us. I'm not complaining, but Drusi. They didn't look dangerous at all. I mean, Stephen Fry, I, I saw a post in one of the Sounders uh, Facebook fan groups. Like, uh, it was, you know, Fry sitting next to the little cartoon of the goalie sitting next to the bench, like taking notes in a journal or something because he was so bored in the game. It kind of was like that for Fry. They just dominated possession and, you know, looked truly dangerous, truly like a team that could score more goals, like the team that won CONCACAF Champions League, like the team that's made runs in the playoffs. Two weeks ago, we were like, are they done? 
is this it? Do we do we bury him? And we're like, eh, it's really close, but no. And this week, this week has helped them. This week has helped them, right? Vancouver beat Galaxy. Portland's dropped the ball. The teams above them keep dropping the ball. And as long as they keep doing that, hey, we got a shot. We got a legitimate shot. The um, There's some teams. So let's. I, I, I've been, as you know, I I, uh, I couldn't make it last week, and I, I don't uh, I don't know if you said anything about why or not. I, I told you to tell everybody I was too drunk after news when and three days of partying uh, after his goal. But um, I was I was refereeing, and uh, it couldn't get back here in time. And and man, I've been paying so much attention to these things about what's coming up and 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 who we got chances to do. Um, Real Salt Lake's got a really tough schedule. LA Galaxy's got a tough schedule. Minnesota United's dropping like a rock. We got a chance. We really do. We have a chance. We have the easiest schedule left. We have Vancouver. We have Sporting Kansas City. We have San Jose. That had better be nine points. If that's nine points, we will be in the playoffs. I can't wait. I mean, this is you're absolutely right. This is the advantage that the but the Sounders have been waiting for you. You're absolutely right. I mean, teams be- uh, ahead of us are starting to drop the ball. Teams, be- uh, be- or you know, teams below us are helping us out. Uh, teams ahead of us are also helping us out by helping by beating other teams that we need them to beat. And I just, you know, what I need, I need to play this because I think that we all need to hear this. Let me go ahead and fix my mic real quickly. There we go. I need to make sure that we all can hear this. Because I feel like it's something that needs to be played just because of the fact of it was history. And I'm going to go ahead and mute the music real real quickly here. But I think it's time that we heard the moment that Mount Rainier almost erupted. And the funny thing about the announcers, you can't hear the announcers. Everybody's so loud because yes, everybody in the entire stadium was going nuts. And the fact that Nuku (laughs) finally did it, and again, the day after Mount Rainier all of a sudden starts venting, I was scared because I thought I had actually guessed the apocalypse of Washington State, and it was. Truly terrifying, but you know what? It really couldn't have happened to a better person than Nuhu. And I'm just, and the best part about it was, it was at home. It was in front of the fans, and it was so loud on that goal that the even the announcers were going nuts because they had been waiting for that moment. They've been waiting for I don't know how many years. It finally happened, yeah. and I want to say this. I think the new who goal, if, if we don't get into the playoffs, the season was worth it just for well, that yes. fucking goal. Yeah, so there's there's a couple interesting notes, and I think this is something to look for going forward. We talked uh, probably a couple months ago in, in the podcast. 
this here about the fact that teams were forcing the ball through Newhook and it was slowing our, our offense down and it was really causing a problem. Newhook's a tremendous defender. It's really interesting to see the last two games. If you go back and, and, and I usually watch the game more than once, uh, personally uh you go back and watch and tactically they weren't able to do that they both of the teams were trying some of that had to do with the ability of leva and atencio in the last couple of games finally building some cohesion in the midfield and coming out and helping new who and giving him somebody to connect with and then move up the field that's been a huge huge help so don't don't want to put this solely on new shoulders but his offenses look different too it's looked better it's looked more efficient it's looked something where teams can't just pin him in and so, yeah, he deserved the goal, but his play as a whole is part of what's lifting this team and giving it a legitimate shot at the playoffs in a couple of weeks, well, four weeks. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, to wrap things up here, uh, we got a couple more minutes left. I don't mean to rush this, but again, there, there is a, there's another important game on, man. You know, you know the importance of, of this, of this Mariners team, man. Come on. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to rush things, but again, yeah. it's, it's just important. But anyway, um, with a couple minutes left here, um, sorry, sorry, the music was actually for everybody wondering about the background music. Sorry about that. Uh, everybody, well, people are glad that the music was not was not on there. But anyway, um, no, the the, the Sounders absolutely have, absolutely have a an incredible opportunity here in the next four weeks, and this is a chance to. And they're going against, and they're actually going against uh, teams that they should be going against, and I think they have a chance here within the next um if you can walk away being honest if you can walk away from these three games between i want to say eight and ten points i think you're in i i i think i think that might be the magic number for the sounders is between eight and ten points to actually get make that push and get in it's going to be close, but it's doable, and that's something that we've had a hard time saying the last uh, the last couple of months as we looked at how they played, and they have a legitimate shot. Uh, and, you, and you were absolutely right. You know, yeah. we, we said it a few weeks ago. We thought this team was dead in the water, and yeah. the last time that I remember that the Sounders faithful said that they were dead in the water, 2016, we went on to win the MLS Cup. Now, I will say this, though. If we do... If, the Sounders managed to get into the playoffs. I'm not going to expect the MLS Cup. I I, I really am not. I'm not sure, going to I'm sure. not going to expect the MLS Cup, but I will be glad that the streak has continued. I think that's yes, the most important. Thing. Absolutely, and I think one of the things that we um that we are we had a truly historic year, the first MLS club ever to win Concacaf Champions League, um, and I don't think. A lot of sometimes I think a lot of fans don't understand how demanding that is on players. Um, you know, you you did that. We talked last time uh, I was on a couple weeks ago. We talked about how we've really only have done this this year with one and a half DPS. We've never had all of our DPS on the field at the same time, or, or slightly. So now that we do, what happens? Oh, all of a sudden we're winning games. You got three DPS on the field, and what happens? <laughs> they take a few minutes to gel, and all of a sudden, Raul Rudias can actually put the ball in the back of the net because he's got somebody like Nico getting him the ball, which has been happening, right? Rusnak, he's earned his money. Yep. You know why? You finally got three guys on the field, and your guys are contributing. Leva and Atencio have played really well together. They've done a great job. It's been really fun. I, uh, I've seen a lot of positive comments. 
in fan groups and stuff on Lavia. I actually think Atencio's done really well as well. He brings a physicality. He's a big, big man. Like, you don't you don't realize how tall he is. He played center back for Tacoma Defiance for a couple of years until he actually started getting first team minutes this year. Um, and they've kind of slotted him up in the central midfield. But in the long run, you'll probably see him and Reagan as your your back, two of your back center, your center backs, because he's got the size for that. But he's up playing central midfield and beating people up. And it's been really cool to see. This team has a chance. It's nice to be able to say that and just win, baby. It's the old Mariners thing, right? Just win, baby. Here we are. Let's go again. Let's see both teams win. Have some Soto magic down there again, huh? Definitely. All right, Mark, um, I will talk to you next Friday, man. And again, we're on for next Friday unless – oh, well, no, 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 wait. The Mariners were on the road, so never mind. Uh, uh, I was I was going to say if the Mariners were at home and probably clinching, then there will be no podcast. So it's here in a couple right. weeks. Yes. Dude. Uh, Let's go. It's, 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 it's getting there. I mean, I can, I can feel it. We're, we're, we're probably going to do it. So, Mark, I will talk to you next Friday, brother. Yes, sir. We'll see you later. Have a good night, man. You too. There you go. That is it for this episode of Seattle Sports Diaries Podcast. Do not ever forget to like and comment and subscribe to the Seattle Sports Diaries YouTube channel. Uh, just to let you guys know, we are giving away two tickets to the Apple Cup. Uh, all you, uh, There is a tweet that we sent out. All you have to do is either tweet Go Dogs or Go Cougs. You will be entered to win. The winner is announced November 18th, just a couple days before the Apple Cup. So I am saying good morning, good afternoon, and good night to everybody out there. And I will see you guys next Friday. And thank you very much for joining me tonight. Go Mariners, let's go!